Thank you for tuning in to Hill Country Fellowship's audio podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired as you listen today. For more information, visit us online at hcfburnett.org. I think a great way to start our year uh, from the pulpit as far as a message goes is to kind of take off of what, what Martin led us to. Uh, just a little bit ago, he read from Psalm 126. And I love how it says, "Is when the Lord brought back exiles from Jerusalem, they were like dreamers. So I thought, wow, what a, why, don't we, why don't we just pray and dream, right? So you ever uh, take your kids, so those are your parents, uh, take your kids to one of those fancy uh, candy shops where there's like every candy from every generation is there, uh, going back to when you were a kid and you remember them, and there's, there's a, a thousand different varieties. Uh, anybody ever take their kids to those? They had that one in, on Main Street there in Marble. Uh, can you imagine going in there and saying, okay, pick one candy from one place? <laughs> the kid would lose their brain, right? Because uh, they want one from every box. But, <clears throat> so I'm gonna, but I'm gonna ask you to do that right now. One dream prayer to ask God for as we kick off 2022 together. We're looking in our series that we're kicking off called How Do I? And we're gonna be looking at calling and family and relationships and roles and making sense of it all and just all the stuff that, that are the big decisions of life and the big, the big relationships and connections we have in life. But, but why don't we start by, by dreaming? Your dream might be, I want my kids to have the best year of school ever. That's an awesome dream. If it's a dream based in Jesus and in the gospel, Let's pray it right now together. It might be for that one person that's, that means something in your life that doesn't know Jesus to know Jesus. It might be health. Whatever it is, as long as it's Jesus-centered, as long as it's uh, based in the gospel, pray for it. So I'm going to kick us off, and, and I, I just ask that, that as I pray, you just say, Lord, this, this is my dream prayer for 2022. And that next year when we stand up here or gather together that we can go, he, he did that and more because he's an and more God. So let's just go to go Lord in prayer to kick off uh, January 2022. And you pray a big, bold dreamer prayer. Imagine them. They were, they were captive. He brought them back from captivity and they were dreaming like, I didn't know this could happen. So pray big, pray bold. Join with me. Father, we come together. Right now, as your sons and daughters, ones that you've saved, you've rescued, you've redeemed, you've given us new life and new meaning, you've transformed our hearts, you've changed us, you're continuing to work on us, and we say, Lord, here's my dream prayer. Here's my dream prayer. And everybody in this room, everybody watching, everybody tuning in, you just just pray out your dream prayer, whether it's silent or whether you want to just say it uh, and speak it out, you, you pray. And trust a God who loves to give to his kids those things on their hearts. You pray your dream prayer. You may have a mustard seed of faith right now. Because maybe it's a health thing. Or maybe it's a relationship thing. Or maybe it's a marriage struggle. And so your, your, your faith is, is minimal. But you got a mustard seed. If you have faith the size of a mustard seed. You can say to this mountain be moved and it shall be moved. So we pray it right now. For this year. This is my prayer, God. Would you make it so? Thank you for hearing us and loving to hear us. In your name we pray. Amen. So we're going to be looking today uh, at a story in 1 Samuel 3. And I'm going to ask you to turn there if you would, whether it's in your Bible or on, on an app or whatever device you're using. And we're going to walk through that uh, in chunks, a very famous story of Samuel being called. 
Um, and so as we kick off this whole series, uh, the, the, the big idea of the, of the entire series is that we would know the designer of it all. Because in anything in life, if I don't know the designer of something that I have or understand the purpose of it, I'm never going to really have an understanding. If I, if I go into driving a car and I think, hey, this looks like a giant rock, I'm going to treat it like a rock. But if I understand the person who designed the car, that they meant for me to get in and turn it on and, uh, and the heat to come on really strong on a day like this and, and then move down the road, uh, then, then I'll understand it and I'll operate it properly. But if I get in that car, I'm like, well, this is a rock with an inside, then I'm not going to understand what's going on or what it's meant for. So our goal in this entire series, and really in our lives and following Jesus, is that we'd know the designer of it all, that we would see the importance of how we and really everything that God made, we'd see, we'd see that he has a plan and that and that that plan for me and for my family and for my loved ones and for the job he's called me to and for those deep relationships and maybe that, that love relationship, that marriage relationship and, and all those things that, that, that he has a plan for all that. And that means everything. But I've got to know him and his desire for me and for, for what he's called me to. I've got to, I've got to start there. Because if I don't start with him, then I'm going to make a mess of everything because I'm going to be trying to do either do it on my own understanding or in my own power or led by the power of the world, which is always going to try to lead me and guide me and direct me, and it's always going to be wrong. So I've got to know him. So if my eyes are focused on him, then the things in this world will go, grow strangely dim uh, in the light of his glory and grace. So we will be looking at today at calling and and then at family and at career or your role in life and at relationships. And then we're going to wrap it up uh, on, on how to make sense of it all at the end of the month. But we want to know the designer more, know the designer better. No one should ever step into a relationship with Jesus and go, hey, I got that taken care of. I'll see you in heaven. That should never be our goal. We should constantly work towards knowing him more and understanding him more and growing more in relationship with him. This God who desires to be our best friend, who wants to be our leader, who is our father, who is our brother in Jesus. I'll be more confident in my life. I'll be more engaging with my family. I'll discover my purpose in the role that he gives me in life. I'll be better at cultivating love and marriage, and making sense of it all as I know the designer. So my desire is that we would, week by week by week, we consistently go, here I am. Here is my heart, my mind, my life. Help me to, to present it to you, to, to trust, it, trust it into your hands, and then to know you and your desires for me better. Speak, Lord, like we're going to read in this story here. I'm listening. That's where we hear and know and walk from. And the will of God is not this magical formula. You hear, you know, you hear, hey, know your calling, know your calling, know your calling. You, you hear that a lot in life, especially in church. Uh, and sometimes it gets exhausting. It's like, I don't know my calling. It seems like everybody knows their calling, but I don't know my calling. The reality is this. My calling is to follow Jesus. 
And everything else flows from that. It's not like I, I come to church to know that one specific thing that I, that I do and I have to get it exactly right. I mean, he may speak that to you and show you that perfectly. That's awesome. But most of the time, our calling is just following where Jesus leads us. It'd be like if I got married to Sarah, we've been married now 25 years, uh, just a few weeks ago. If we got married and, and I said, hey, you know, I need to know exactly everything you ever need from me for the next like 38 years that we're alive or whatever it happens to be. I need that right now. And you need to tell me perfectly so I don't have to figure it all out. No, it's a growing relationship. It is. It's just, it grows and we grow together and, and so much stuff we figure out and we know and then so, so much stuff is organic and so much stuff changes. But we're married and we're one and so we're walking this life together. And in Jesus, I, we're married to Jesus. And we're one and we're walking this life together. So our calling is, here I am, I'm listening. So in this story here, Samuel's about 12 years old. His mom hadn't been able to have a baby. She prays and Lord, basically it's, hey, you give me a baby and I'll dedicate him to you. So at about four years old, miraculous birth and he's you know, four years old now and she dedicates him to serve in the temple and so she drops him off at four and sees him once or twice a year I mean that's a hard one for us to understand but you know it was the way of the it was the way it was back then and he has this horrible leader named Eli who has even more horrific sons and they're just doing awful awful things in the temple but Samuel's faithful so he's about 12 years old when we pick up this story Samuel chapter 3, verse 1, we're all called. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel, so he's 12. I don't know if he wanted to be called a boy or not, but he is here. He served the Lord by assisting Eli. Now in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare and visions were quite uncommon. So Eli was a horrible leader. His sons were just enacting horrible stuff. So, so hearing God speak was very rare because they're not listening and they're also, they're definitely not telling anybody anything. One night, Eli, who's almost blind by now, so his eyesight's matching his heart sight, he'd gone to bed. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. <laughs> Can you imagine that? I sleep next to the ark of God. I mean, that's like, it's like, whoa, that's crazy stuff. Suddenly, the Lord called out, Samuel. Yes, Samuel replied. What is it? He got up, ran to Eli, here I am, did you call me? I didn't call you, let me sleep, boy. Go back to bed. So he did. And the Lord called out to Samuel again, Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli, here I am, did you call me? I didn't call you, my son. I'll call you something if you let me sleep. Go back to bed. Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he'd never heard a message from the Lord before. So the Lord called a third time. Once more he got up, went to Eli, here I am, did you call me? Then Eli realized it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So he said to Samuel, go and lie down again. If someone calls again, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed. God was calling Samuel here, just like he calls each one of us. It may not be audibly that you hear, Scott, Jeremy, Mark. Ron, but he calls each one of us to follow him. Samuel didn't recognize his voice then, 
He had someone who actually was a bad follower of God help him to recognize it's the voice of God. His calling was going to be to be a prophet of God and the voice of God. Didn't know that yet. It's about to come. Your calling is different, either vastly different or just uniquely different. We've all got a calling and I'm not here to tell you what it is. And you're not going to find out today unless God speaks it to you specifically from me. There's not a 12 point lesson on do these 12 and then you will know your calling because the main calling of God is follow Jesus to love God out of the overflow of that love, love people and to be on mission all the time. That's the number one calling for a saved follower of Jesus. But the response for all of us should be the same. Speak. Speak. I'm listening. To be called to anything that matters starts exactly the same way as it did with Samuel. Listening. Anybody here struggle listening? If you didn't raise your hand, your spouse might be like, you need to raise that hand, right? I don't struggle with listening as much as I struggle with talking very quickly while someone's talking. So uh, I try to have a solution by the time they have the third word out. Uh, it doesn't always help conversations. Uh, but I always feel like I'm brilliant in that moment. So yeah, I struggle with listening. But God wants you, God wants me to learn how to hear him speak and to lead us. All throughout the Bible, we read these amazing stories of how people learned to listen along the way. That's what I love because it's a journey. It's a relationship. Abraham gets called to go to a far country. He's told through your life, every family on earth, including us today, will be blessed and Abraham didn't have it all together as he went. In fact, he, he, he stumbled and bumbled along the way, but he learned and he learned and he learned. And he grew into the man God called him to be. Gideon, painstakingly preparing an army while living in fear to fight a battle he had no shot at winning. He learned to listen to God. And the way God grew the army was by shrinking the army. And Gideon learned to trust the voice of God. David learned how to be the king, most likely the best king in the history of the world outside of Jesus, while being a shepherd boy for his own family. There was no way that out there in the field, David said, I know this, I'm here because I'm going to be a great king. He did not think that. He just did the job required of him. God taught him and then over time anointed him to be the king that would also be a shepherd to the people. Paul spent three years learning God's heart while, while at the same time being the smartest guy in the room. Like he's the smartest guy in the room, probably on the planet. And he's a horrible, mean person. He's killing people. For his faith, thinking he's doing the work of God, he gets struck down with lightning in his face and gets radically saved. And then he spends three years training for what would come. The, the first really Christian missionary and church planter that we have. Even Jesus said he did nothing without hearing from God first. He, Jesus is God, always has been God, learned as a human how to hear God's voice and not do something until he heard God's voice. His calling 
was to listen to God and then do what God said and then to speak God's word. So our goal today is this, as I first and foremost know God, it's then that I'll live full and satisfied. Anybody want to live a full and satisfied life? Anybody feel like the world's trying to take that away from you? For whatever reason, it could be the last two years or, or just something you're going through. But the world's trying to rob that from us. And God said, no, the world can't take what I give because the world has no ownership over me. So know me and you will live a full and abundant life. And then you'll know how to live out his desires for you. So it all starts with the big idea, know the designer. And so if someone's here or you're watching or you're listening and you've never made a decision to know the designer, God himself, who created everything. And then it went south with sin in the garden. And so there was a, a punishment that we placed on ourselves as human beings because of rebellion that we could never pay. There was a debt we owed that we couldn't pay. We ran up a bill and we couldn't afford to pay the bill at the end of it. Anybody ever done that? I did that in college a number of times. Uh, we'd be out uh, eating and doing all this stuff and all of a sudden the bill comes and none of us know each other and uh, you're trying to, oh, I gotta go to the bathroom for the rest of my life. And you know, we run up a bill because we bought too much guacamole and we can't afford it. But like, this is a bill that no one over time can, can afford to pay. It's a sin bill. And so humans can't pay it. So Jesus comes. So we celebrate Christmas, Emmanuel, God with us. And he lives a perfect life, right? And so his perfect life lived out, gave him the right to pay the bill that we couldn't pay that wasn't his bill because he never messed up. And so he goes to the cross. That's the Easter time we celebrate. And he pays the debt. And then he says, all you have to do is accept my payment and you're set. That's the ultimate know the designer moment. Saying, you did this for me. I accept your forgiveness. I have sin issues. I really do mess up. But I know you love me in spite of that. And that's not my, my identity. So I accept your forgiveness of my sins. I accept your life in, in place of my life. And I will walk according to your ways. You'll be my Lord and Savior. That's salvation. And so to know the designer, you got to start with accepting the designer of it all. That's salvation. And if you've never made that decision, you can make it right now. All who call the name of the Lord shall be saved. I believe it in my heart. I speak it out with my mouth that Jesus is who the gospel says he is, who God the creator says, because he's the only one that can write the story. I believe that and I accept it. I'll make you my savior now and I'll follow you as Lord my entire life. That's the ultimate start to knowing anything about your calling in life. Then we read in verses 10 through 18 in 1 Samuel 3, how it's not always comfy, but it's always the best. And the Lord came and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. So he said it twice this time. And Samuel replied, speak, your servant is listening. Then the Lord said to Samuel, I'm about to do a shocking thing in Israel. I'm going to carry out all my threats against Eli and his family from beginning to end. I've warned them that judgment is coming upon his family forever because his sons are blaspheming God and he hasn't disciplined them. 
So I have vowed that the sins of Eli and his sons will never be forgiven by sacrifices or offerings. They had unrepentant hearts and God had given them opportunity after opportunity and now so uh, time to pay the price. Samuel stayed in bed until morning and then got up and opened the doors to the tabernacle as usual. He was afraid to tell Eli what the Lord had said to him. But Eli called out to him, Samuel, my son, here I am. Samuel replied, what did the Lord say to you? Tell me everything and may God strike you and even kill you if you hide anything from me. So Samuel told Eli everything. He didn't hold anything back. Listen to Eli. It's the Lord's will. Let him do what he thinks best. I mean, even in that, it's like, yeah, he'll do that. No repentance. Like, God's going to do that. And, uh, you know, Eli's an interesting bird. That, that's a whole different series to, to have on its own, uh, which we won't go there. Uh, but it's interesting. And, and this challenging part here for Samuel, he gets this call, but then he gets this oh, kind of dark and gloomy message. And, and then he's asked by his leader to tell him about it. That's a hard, hard thing to do. That's a hard part of God to, fall, to, to follow, saying the, the hard things in life sometimes are, are, hard, are difficult to, to step into. And so this challenging part for Samuel is why we are called as followers of Jesus to do life together, to shore one another up, to, to challenge one another, to be accountable, to have encouragement, to have comfort from one another. We're not lone rangers. We're not islands. We're not solo artists. We're called to be in family together as a church. If this isn't your church family, I encourage you, you find a church family that you do, that you do life together with and let them in your life and then speak to them and be in their life. That's church, that's family, that's the design that God crafted for us in creating the church. Paul explains it so well in, in Romans 12 as he, as he writes about what it means to be called. In Romans 12, verses 4 through 13, he's writing about unity and, and sharing ourselves, about real love, about generosity. The whole gamut he runs through of what a church and a church life and a church family are meant to be. And he says this, starting in verse 4, Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. In His grace, God's given us different gifts for doing certain things well. You could say different callings. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God's given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what's wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection. Take delight in honoring one another. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble. Keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Unity is what we're called to. It's actually a sign of our Christianity. That's the church. Locally, 
as a, as a church family, this immediate family that we have, we're called to be a part of, and then globally, whether it's across town or across state or across the nation or the world, the, the church that follows the gospel proclaims Jesus as Lord, doesn't rewrite who he is or, or take away parts that they don't like or add in parts that aren't there. Those churches, that's our, that's our extended family. A lot of us, we either went and hung out with extended family or they came to us during the holidays. In the same way, if you go, I don't know, you go visit someone in, in Georgia or, or, you know, Hawaii or the Midwest and, and you're hanging out with them and you go to their church while you're hanging out with them, that's your extended family. Your local family is where God's called you to be a part of. And that's what Paul's talking about. Here or there, we're called to be family as a church and do all this. We're connected because, because we've accepted God's grace and mercy. I give you favor that you don't deserve and I remove punishment that you do deserve. Grace and mercy. I forgive you of your sins if you say yes to me. We live out the gospel fully, growing in it, understanding it more and more, applying it in our lives. And it doesn't mean that we all act and focus on the same things. I mean, what family does? Can you imagine if every family and every family member did the exact same thing? At first, if they did it the way you do it, you'd probably think, well, they're finally smart, right? <laughs> After a while, they'd probably get boring because you'd be like, you know, I like me some me, but... But uh, all of me, it just gets boring. I want flavor. I don't want salt to be the only thing that I ever flavor anything with. I want pepper and I want paprika. And, uh, you know, I want ghost peppers if you're Jordan or whatever it might be. Stay away from me, ghost pepper. I've had you once. I never need you again. But there's a uniqueness to each. Each person. Each, even each church. Some churches have these calls in their life. They're, maybe they're more involved in, in, in missions in South America. Or maybe they just spread it out like us across the globe. And maybe they have a big thing in Haiti like we do. And by the way, I just want to say thank you. Every kid in Haiti got a big Christmas present this year because you gave. Right? You gave so much we had to figure out what to do with the more. Isn't that cool? And, and we're still collecting until the end of the day. So when you're walking out, whatever is in that pocket, clip it on there. We're going to get it to them. We're going to bless all those kids and bless those families. Man, we want every one of those Haitian kids to grow up knowing Jesus loves them. And if they can look back and go, in 2021, this church in Texas made my Christmas. In fact, first Christmas present I ever got was from that church. And you did that. So thank you for that. And so... Maybe other churches, they do that in Eastern Europe or in, in, in the Arab world. And they focus on it. Maybe a lot of churches, uh, they'll focus on those local missions like we do, but that's really their hardcore focus. That is great. That's what flavors and spices them up. That's their calling. And as long as it's gospel-centered and Jesus-focused, that's good. And that's our family. So unique gifts, unique Heartbeats, unique callings even that lead us onward. Everything based in Jesus, from Jesus, looks and sounds like Jesus. That's when a person knows their calling. We are unique. We're wonderful. We're given assignments and we are in need of one another. You cannot do it alone and you should not. And it doesn't even make sense to. It wasn't designed that way. 
So the designer designed it so we would be a family. We'd be a unit. One person wouldn't have every single gift. I, I would have a certain gift and be lacking in this one, and then you would have that gift. And so that would help me as a family member to have, I'd be like, I don't need to do that. You do. Because you're good at that, and I'm going to encourage you along the way. That's why I love at membership class when the class is done and I, and I communicate with those that, that come after. I'm always like, hey, here's the thing. We're here for you. We are imperfect. We're going to make mistakes along the way. We're going to miss some things. We're going to nail some things and get them right. But at the end of it all, we're, we're here for you and we want to be in your life. And we're so glad you're a part of our life. So that's exciting. Next Sunday, we're going to have people dedicate their babies and dedicate their kids it's not so I can stand up here and tell them what to do, because I have no clue what they're supposed to do, right? I'm still trying to figure it out myself. I got five, and they all baffle me. But I'm so glad I have a church family that can help me. I can talk to people who've had kids graduate from high school and go, oh, man, what do you do when you got one semester left with them in your house? Like, how do you jam it all in, all the good stuff they need to know? And that person can go, chill, dude. I'm like, oh, how do I handle a person who, you know, a child who like gets riled up at every single thing? Well, you know, you'd be a calming effect. Okay, okay. I love having that. And so when we have these families up here next Sunday and we're praying for them and dedicating, we're not giving them every answer to everything they're going to face. We're going to commit to them to walk this through with them, but also just challenge them and say, you were created by God to have this child and he said you're the best person in the history of the world to raise this child so you can do it as long as you keep your eyes focused on him. That's why I love real life groups and Wednesday Night Live. We come together and we do life together and we're here for one another. Get involved in community. The gospel is full of telling us you gotta be involved in community. Start with the church that you call your own family and then find those small caring communities within that. That's what we're called to do. So it all centers on and finds its fuel in the big idea of knowing the designer. Making that commitment that you would say, God, I commit to doing life the way you've called me to do it so that I can... I can live out everything you have planned for me and bless all those that you bring into my life, whether they're in my home, I'm married to them, I'm raising them, they're raising me, or we're just doing life lock arm in arm together. We gotta make that commitment. God, I wanna do it your way. I wanna learn from you. I wanna grow in you, but I gotta know you. I gotta know how, what, what you have for me. Like as we roll into 2022, I don't want it to just be a retooled version of 21 or of nobody wants 2020, but you know, 2019. I, wanna, I want 2022 to be a dreaming year. So what do you have for me? I want to know you. I want to see what you have for me in this coming year. And then in verses 19 through, uh, actually go through chapter four, verse one. That's often included in this story. We see how he just started where he started and, and lived it out. That's why I love, nothing really magical about Samuel. He just started where he started and lived it out. Verse 19 says that Samuel grew up, the Lord was with him, and everything Samuel said proved to be reliable. Would that not be a cool thing at the end of your life for somebody to say, you know, 
Jeremy Cotton, every single thing he ever said proved to be true. What a, I mean, that seems like, I think we miss that sometimes. I was reading that the other day and I passed it by and, and I came back to it and I was like, whoa, oh, what a cool statement at the end of someone's life. Man. And all Israel from Dan in the north to Beersheba in the south knew that Samuel was confirmed as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh and gave messages to Samuel there at the tabernacle. And Samuel's words went out to all the people of Israel. From you barely heard God's words anymore to all the people heard all the time from the Lord. Because this man said yes. This man said yes. There's nothing super spectacular about Samuel. He, in fact, he, he was trained by, I mean, pretty much a horrible human, right? Eli was terrible. And his sons were worse. And so his examples were awful. Either uncaring and cold or just wicked. And yet at least Eli recognized enough to go, you know... That's probably God. And at least gave him that much. That's what he had from, from Eli. But he had no response to it himself. He didn't repent or anything. And yet Samuel just said, okay, I'm going I'm to do what you call me to do, God. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to be true. I'm going to be committed. I'm going I'm to trust you. I'm going to grow in relationship with you. I'm going to know you. It said at the beginning, he didn't know God's voice yet. So he, as he knew the designer, everything that he ever said was reliable once he started to know the designer. What Samuel became was a man obsessed with God. Knowing him, hearing him, enjoying him, understanding him more. And living in a way that, that others would know God simply because he lived out his calling. What was his calling, Scott? Well, his calling was a prophet. He was a connecting piece from the, the judges who ruled Israel to the, to the kings that would come. And he actually anointed Saul and then David. So he was this connector piece. He didn't, he didn't grow up in that temple until he was, you know, 11 and a half years old, knowing I'm the connector piece. He's just faithful. And then at 12, somewhere along in that year of life, he said, yes, okay, God. And he became this connector piece that spoke only reliable things. Can you imagine your 12-year-old speaking the words of the Lord and it being reliable? I'm like, no way. But it was. Nothing against my 12-year-old. Uh, he's amazing. But he became obsessed by God. And people obsessed with God, they're known as givers, not takers. They, they genuinely believe other people matter more than they ever do. And they live that way. They know the best thing to do in life is to be faithful to Jesus and his word and not go with what the world says or, or led by it or dictated by it or influenced by it. This, this is what he says. I don't need to ask the world because I got the answer. So I'm just going to do this. And if I know the truth, I don't have to worry about the lie. People obsessed with God, they, they live in and they work from and they rest confidently in being a son or a daughter not someone who tries to earn something. You adopted me into your family at salvation, God, so I'm going to be your son. Maybe if you're female, it's, I'm going to be your daughter. So I'd like to, us to ask ourselves some questions as we, as we roll into the, uh, just the wrap up here and worship in just a moment. 
Ask yourself this about your life. Maybe you spend time this week doing it. Is this that I'm doing in life the most loving way to do life? The most loving way according to the gospel. Is what I'm doing, how I'm leading, how I'm loving, how I'm caring, how I'm, I'm thinking, is that the most loving way to do life? Is, is this the way I do life? Is, is this the way to live that leaves something more beyond leaving more stuff or more resources or more goods? Am I leaving a legacy with how I live my life? Because there will be plenty of people who leave plenty of stuff to people in life, but they leave them nothing. Are you leaving people more because they know Jesus better and they've grown closer to him because of the way you live your life and how you follow God? Is there anything eternal in all that I do, God? And everything that consumes my time or has my attention or has my focus or has my devotion, is there anything eternal in that? And I'm not saying, hey, I'm quitting my job because there's nothing eternal in that because it's just a job. No, your job and doing your job well, if that's where God has you, number one, you could be teaching your kid how to do a job right. And that, oddly enough, is rare these days. I didn't think three years ago I would say that. But we don't see that so much, at least in what is promoted out there. But you, you do your job to provide for your family, and that's a good thing. But, but what, are you, what are you really showing them? What are you teaching them? What are you training them? What are you telling them is most important? Is it status or is it, or is it sonship? Is it, is it stuff or is it devotion to Jesus? Again, earning a great paycheck, there's nothing wrong with that. What are you doing with that? Providing for your family and being generous to those in need? That leaves a lot. For your kid, for your spouse, for your neighbors to see you be a giving, generous person will blow their minds in this world that is take, take, take. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 through 7 in the message version talks about gifts that are, gifts in our lives and how how they're different but the same because they come from the same Holy Spirit. Listen to this. God's various gifts are handed out everywhere, but they all originate in God's Holy Spirit. God's various ministries are carried out everywhere, but they all originate from God's Holy Spirit. God's various expressions of power are in action everywhere, but God himself is behind it all. Each person, each one of you here, each one of you listening, every guy behind this pulpit right now, each one of us is given something to do that shows who God is. Everyone gets in on it. Everyone benefits. All kinds of things are handed out by the Spirit to all kinds of people. Different gifts, but the same. It's cold out there, right? A lot of us were like, ooh, chili is on the menu. My favorite soup. I'm making homemade chicken noodle soup. And man, you're excited. You get home. You get your favorite bowl. You turn the fireplace on, either on TV like me or a real one, right? You get your favorite crackers. You open that drawer looking for a spoon and there's only 37 butter knives. <laughs> what in the world? Wouldn't that be crazy? If all you could eat with was a butter knife? No, we have different utensils. We have silverware for all different reasons, right? To cover the need. It's all silverware, but they're unique. 
They all serve purposes. You're unique. You don't do the things I do and I can't do the things you can do. But together we cover all the bases. Because you might be like, I need your spoon, Scott. Here you go. Later on, when I make that homemade bread and I want some butter, I don't want to spread it with with a spoon. I want a knife. Unique. Different, but the same. Because they all come from the same Holy Spirit. God made each one of us unique to live out a calling we were designed for, to accomplish exactly what He wants for us to do from Him. So it all comes down to the big idea, know the designer. Like Samuel, we have to learn to listen to and obey God. Especially in a world that says, here it is, here it is, I expect this from you, do this, I demand this, I'm louder, I'm louder. Or in a culture that says, ooh, you better curtail to what I want. There's a lot of voices out there, there's only one truth. Know the designer. That's why church is the best place to call home. I can come in here and I can hear from the designer. I can worship the designer. I can lock arms with uh, sons and daughters who are my brothers and sisters. We can know the designer better together. Daniel Webster, famous uh, politician from way back in the day, said this, The greatest thought that has ever entered my mind is that one day I will have to stand before a holy God and give an account for my life. If you know the designer, he will say, welcome. Your reward is what I have given my son Jesus. And you have followed all that I've asked of you. So I'm going to ask you to stand right now and we're going to pray. And I'm going to ask that you just pray. Lord, I came today and I heard maybe that maybe you heard that we're going to talk about how to live out your calling. Maybe you just came because you just you love to come and worship. Maybe you were hoping I would hear you would hear the exact thing for your calling. I don't know. But I want you to pray and just say, Lord, here's my life. It is yours. I want to know you better. Would you show me what you have for me? And if I'm doing the exact thing that you've called me to do, would you just encourage me in that? Would you just encourage me in the calling on my life as I follow you? That I would know you and grow in you and and be, be fulfilled in you. You will never find fulfillment other than in Jesus. So let's pray. And let's just give him our hearts and our minds and our year moving forward. Jesus, we come before you today and you are faithful. We know that. Sometimes we struggle with it. We we struggle with momentary stuff. We we see a world around us and, and we go, how? How do I make it? How do I... How do I love my spouse right? How do I know exactly what to do in life? How do I raise my kids well? How do I pursue love and relationships? How do I I make sense of it all? But we gotta start with you. Knowing you, being in your presence, learning to trust you, and talking to you. So I pray that you just meet every son and daughter in this room, everyone listening. Just meet them where they are. And you would speak the comforting things and the challenging things, the specific things, the general things, that you'd speak encouragement and hope because you're the only one of hope. You would speak life. You would speak truth. 
and that we would live our lives to say, speak, Lord, I am listening. And if we do that, every day of our lives, we'll know our calling. It'll be found in you, our designer. We worship you now in spirit and truth, and we trust you in our lives. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening. For more sermons and full service replays, visit us online at hcfburnit.org. God bless and have a great week.